0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I'm joined by Twan, Tom, and Issam, and we have a lot to talk about because in this midweek episode we are going to discuss the Super Prestige in Newell, which was held on a new parkour. So, first of all, I would like to know from Tom, Twan, and Issam what they think about the new parkour because I personally quite liked it.
1: I thought it was a really great track today. A bit more of an old school parkour, as I'd say. I fought, well, first muddy race of the season, and they had some nice steep banks, technical corners, as well as some straights and road sections, so some really good variety, and I was a big fan of the section off the start as well, a big steep downhill into a muddy running section, probably the most interesting course so far this season, and it was some really great racing today.
2: I think the parkours helped a lot with the amazing racing that we saw today. Uh, it was very nice to see some mud on the course already. Um, even though apparently it was quite a nice weekend down uh, week down there. Um, it was a little fun to watch. I'm not sure how much the downhill helps. I, I really think that in the first lap and the second lap you could see that there was a little bit of a traffic jam at the top. Uh, I guess that's also part of... Uh, Courses and it's it kind of fun to see as well. And um, people are able to return after one lap.
3: Yeah, it was also a very complete parkour, so that was also very nice to see that. Um, you know, there, there was some mud going on, you had some running sections, there were hills, and also some sand, so it was you know very complete and it brought back a little bit of nostalgia of the old days.
0: Yeah, I agree on that. I liked it as well. It was a pretty long parkour. Pretty hard to remember as well, looking at it. But I enjoyed it and it should be here to stay. I think Erwin Verveke did a good job uh, putting uh, out this parkour there. And it certainly delivered because the men's race was super interesting. Issam, tell uh, tell us a bit about what happened in that race because it was a real nil-biter.
3: Yeah, it was. Um, the Thormans duo, Kesel, Van Kessel and Hermans were the ones who were leading the 70 people who started at the men's race. Uh, into the field in that descent, of course, where we're talking about that you have to go through, and then you have to uh, pick your time to get off your bike and run the run section because there was no riding there. Um, at that descent, it was uh, Van der Haar who was uh, checking out if the mud was uh, soft enough to land on and took a dive, and lost out a, quite a lot of time. Um, Ezerbeet missed out on a start completely and was outside of the top ten for. I guess the opening round and had to make a comeback. Um, that was not a really the, the start the European champion was hoping for. Um, we had the sand section where we were talking about in the beginning, um, the Swake section, uh, to be honest, because he was the one who was dominating that that, that section and actually got a gap from his teammate, Ryan Kamp. Um, it was Quinten Hermans that chased a little bit in, in the following round, but in the end, it was Elie Isebreed, his own teammate, who chased him down. Uh, and came back to his wheel, but then had to change his bike. Uh, lost some four or five seconds, and Tone Arts was able to come back on the wheel of Izerbiet. um looked at Arts and said, "I cannot, cho- I cannot chase now." And as and Arts knew what the situation was, tried to chase Sveik down, and he was able to do that. Um, and then Arts was in a dilemma because then he had uh, two guys of Powell Sausen where he's going, you know. Uh, he has to finish that race with uh, and it seemed to be a battle uh, between these three uh, with a lot of tactics going on and um trying to get in front of the other uh, but Unfortunately, in the penultimate lap, it was Ars that got a puncture front a front flat uh tire, and uh, he was out of that battle, and then we only had two left with Easerbeat and Swake uh, both teammates um, for Isherbit it would have been nice if he could have been um, if he could win that race and eh? the leader of the Sauze formation uh, for Swake it was his i would say his ultimate uh, opportunity to win a race um Ezerbeet tried at the beginning of of the last lap trying to force something didn't didn't work out then Swake took over and Swake didn't let that lead go away from him he was um, Dominating in the last part of the sections and also in the sand, um, bridged the gap, and you no, know, he was gone. So, then in the end, it was Lauren Zweig who took the victory in the third race of the Super Prestige uh, in the Yarmark cross in New.
0: Well, you already mentioned it, probably the main point of the race was the moment that Arch punctured a real anticlimax because. Aerts rode a super strong race. He looked to have learned from the mistakes that he made in the previous races. He didn't start too hard for once. He got himself into a rhythm. Eventually closed the gap to Zweig after 20-25 minutes of racing. It definitely costed him some energy. But he really looked to have the upper hand. He was pushing hard, making sure that uh, Van Turenhout wouldn't come back. Because against three South the guys he would have been out of contention probably. But then he punctures. I think he would have won without the puncture. What do you guys think?
2: I think Swake was on one of those days. One of those days where a lot is possible. And certainly he is able to contest the win. Uh, Arts definitely did ride a stronger race tactically than he has in the past few weeks. And I think this is something that we can applaud him for. Um, Still some, well, not all too smart decisions, I think. Uh, on the second to last lap, they went on to the final straight and he was pushing all the way. But then you have to take the right turn and he backed off too much, which mean- meant that both Isabit and Swake could get around him and first into the field. I'm not sure he would have won. Uh, definitely could have been possible, but uh, don't want to take too much away from Swake. This was a superb victory.
3: Uh, I would say to to add on that, that... Um, I. I- tone was he was very strong and he he rode a very good race i think he learned his lesson from the european championships um he was trying to um to pace himself towards those guys and he did a actually superb job and it's a, I really wanted to see uh what would have happened if he didn't puncture because i i i think he he, he might have had a chance to win that race to be honest because um, he he has always he's known for a very good last lap And he looked very strong in in that race, in my opinion.
1: Indeed, and you could see in the last lap, after he had had his puncture, he seemed to be closing in on uh, Spreeka and Izabit. Even when they were battling out for the win, he was still closing them down. So I definitely think he could have been in contention for for the win today.
0: Yes, he indeed closed that gap from uh, 20 seconds to 12 seconds whilst they were going full out. and. Would have what would have made his chance even better is that Isabit was doing some strange strange things today. I mean, I couldn't really get my head around what he was doing. And Isam, you said something uh, during the race as well that Isabit was doing strange things. I don't think he rode the smartest race, did he?
3: Well, I mean, not even not. I wouldn't say only the smartest race, but it was also a. Uh, um you know especially from a team where he got a lot of victories out of team taxic- tactics you know they they helped him a lot through through this year and last year uh, and to to chase your own teammate down while you could actually give him 20 25 30 seconds and and a, a permanent victory at that point then to chase him down that was yeah it was it was so not it, it was not a classy move i would say and uh you know Zweig is fortunate enough that he had something left in the tank and able to win that race. But uh, if he if he wouldn't have won that race, I would blame Ezerbeet on that because there is no point in chasing your own teammate. I mean, you saw Ryan Kamp, you know, making that gap. That's how a teammate should work for another teammate and not try to chase your teammate down um, because you want to win that race.
0: And especially considering that when I was looking at the beginning, I thought that... Um... I thought that Zweig was gone, actually. Arts, he didn't make a strong strong impression to me in the beginning. I thought he was struggling a bit, maybe mentally as well. But then Izabit started to chase. And all of a sudden, it looked like Arts got hope and momentum back. He thought, hey, hey, the gap was big. We closed it. It's halfway down. Then he got dropped by Izabit. Izabit then was in the view of uh, Zweig. And then made a strange decision to swap bikes at that point when it wasn't really needed. He then not only lost the contact to Swake, he fell back into the group of art and it even then when in the beginning of that he was still pulling with art in his wheel and i don't think that that was smart to do and he looked to be struggling through the throughout the sand section every lap and it was pretty strange as well because there were sections on the parkers where he lost a lot of time and then in other parts all of a sudden he could come back
3: yeah i agree on that and I, if i am um, an another coach another uh, trainer like uh christoph Rothhoft or um bart Valens, i i would be uh, i would be on the phone tonight with uh with Swick because it's not don't forget it's not the first time that um he is um, um being chased by you know being chased by his own teammates um and you know he's probably now going to think maybe i should i, I should switch for, to another team and just be there to solve the sole leader i mean now it went good but Let's say he lost his race. What, what then? What, what? What is the point of of having teammates at that point? Maybe you should then switch the team.
2: I I also think it's just um it it's easily not wanting to raid for the team, and I I think this hurts himself as well because the next time Lauensweig goes up the road, Ars is just going to sit on his wheel and he's just going to laugh in his face and he's going to be like, yeah, but. In Neil you chased him down. So you're going to do it again. Because apparently you can't stand not winning. Or not being in the fight. Uh, not even like not being allowed to give it your all. So he, he has also taken away the advantage that he had. Of having the teammate. For basically the rest of the season. Because if you're going to do this in Neil. You're going to do this in pretty much every classification. Across every championship. You're not going to let a, t- a teammate right away anymore apparently. But I, I think this really hurt Iserbeet more than
1: just today. And that, that's not a good thing. Indeed. And although, obviously, it's an individual event, the teams have played a big part in recent years in macross. Paul Selsen themselves have actually shown in previous years with Iserbeet and Michael Van Tornout that they've been able to challenge Van der Poel through the use of some team tactics. But if Iserbeet to lose his faith in his teammates, then I think you really, to challenge van der Poel and van Aert when they begin racing again, the teams are going to have to work together really well. So we'll see how it turns out with Sveik and Isabit in the coming races.
0: Let's take a look at the complete top 10 then. It was Don who finished third because we already said Zweig won in front of Isabit, Don Arch in third, Lars van der Haar finished in fourth. We find Corne van Kessel in fifth place. Then we see Ma- Michael van Toornout, Quentin Hermans, and Ryan Kamp. Ninth place, Dan Soete, and 10th place for Niels van der Putten. Let's talk about uh, Lars van der Haar briefly. Fourth place after he uh, crashed in the opening stages of the race. Pretty good comeback ride, wasn't it? Uh,
3: very good, a uh, very good and mature race from him. Um, it's not really a race that suits him a lot, uh, considering his height and his um, uh, running ability. But he managed pretty well and, um, you know, he was very far away, um, especially in the first lap. But he made a pretty good comeback and to be fourth in the end, I mean, uh, just fair play in a very good race, I guess.
0: And then uh, Twan and Tom, uh, somebody else who also rode a good race that is, um, actually it's two guys, from both from Tormans, Quinten Hermans and Corne van Kessel. They look to be improving their form week after week. Both um, had their issues. Probably uh, Van Kessel took a bit of a rest after his long road season, and Hermans, of course, we all know that he crashed in the Criterium du Dauphiné. Do you guys uh, think that, uh, I, I mean, it's a good sign, but do you guys think that um, they will be able to uh, make some more steps in the upcoming
1: weeks? Indeed. Well, uh, we all know Hermans is the real fast starter, and we saw both the Tourmans duo of Hermans and Van Kessel in the front of the race in the opening lap. That's always a good sign, you know. Cyclocross is really about the start, makes a big difference in the race. So if they're able to be in the front from the start, hopefully they can build on it and keep in the front for the remaining laps. It's much easier to stay at the head of a race rather than have a slow start and work your way forwards. So perhaps when we see Van der Poel and Van Aert back in the field, if these are the only two who can hold them in the first lap, you could see Herman's I'm Van Kessel being drawn away from the rest of the field. And yeah, we could see them taking the podiums in the future, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think for Van Kessel, this is basically his second good result of the season. Um Not been all too amazing, just riding around consistently. Uh, especially disappointing last Sunday, I would feel, in uh, the European Championships. I certainly hope he can build on this. Uh, as for Quinten Hermans, uh, he has been steadily building on it. After the first few crosses where he totally blew up, um, he has certainly found his rhythm a lot more. And it looks very promising.
0: Someone else that looks promising is uh, Ryan Kamp. We've said it week after week. The brand new under-23 European champion, finishing 8th today. And, I mean, week after week he's putting in these solid performances. And this guy is super talented. And the same goes for Niels van der Poet, who ended 10th today. These are definitely two names that we should keep an eye on in the future. Because they're doing basically the same as what Izabit uh, did when he first started riding against the pros. And we all see where Izabit is now. And I think we could be in for some uh, great battles in the future.
3: I think it's very good for those guys. You know, They're both only 20 years old. Uh, it's very good for them to do those hour races. To get those races under your belt. To try to, you know, uh, it, it will make you a little bit harder. It will make you a little bit better overall. Um and this is the push they need to to be able to uh, challenge an Easterbeat or a Sveik in the next following years.
2: I must say I haven't quite found News van der Put that as impressive as I have Ryan Kamp this year. Um I think from the Putten we saw him take a really quick start in the Koppenberg cross, but then we saw him quickly sliding back, which was very disappointing in my opinion. Uh, and Ryan Kamp just been up there when he has like he he rides very consistent races, and that is something that is just uh, amazing to see. The guy has only finished outside the top ten once this season, and that was in the Super Prestige in Rudderwede, and it certainly promises a
1: lot. Indeed, I think Van der Putte was really suited by the course today. He's he's a really strong technical rider. I think Van der Putte has uh, the upper hand on from Camp on the technical sections. And in the opening few laps, I saw Van der de Poel riding the really steep bank on the course when many other riders were running. He was able to ride past them and move up quite high in the race. And yeah, I think the course suited him well today. So it'll be interesting how he plays out. If he can improve his physical side on the courses like the Koppenberg to be really competing with camp.
0: And it sucks for those guys that the Dutch and Belgian Federation announced that they won't be sending any youth teams to the Uh, upcoming World Cups because of the regulations that their countries have set in and that means uh, for them that they really miss the competition between the under 23s and it's a shame because then they never really get to compare themselves with the people who are in the same age as them on a clean field because now there's obviously a big difference between the in the UCI rankings so they will be further apart in the field with lots of others in between them so they really, it's really hard for them to compare. And in this case, Kamp and van der Putte will keep getting a bigger advantage over the rest because they have a better starting position, which means they have better starts, which means they are further in front of the field, which means they probably get a better result, which results in more UCI points, moving them further up the uh, starting grid. And it will just continue like that for so them. For them, it's probably also a big mental hit because people like Thibaut Nice and... Um, in a less extent, um, some others like um, Thomas Main, Buckert, um Arne Vrachte These guys, they really need that competition to even get themselves inside um, of the teams to get a contract for next year. And I really hope for them that there will be some kind of solution so that they at least have some sort of racing where they can show themselves. Then, let's talk about the women's race, because we already mentioned the men's race was super exciting and entertaining. Well, the women's race certainly delivered as well. Twan, tell us.
2: It was a nice start, a bit of a traffic jam at the top. Uh, It was the usual five Dutch women that were off the front. They were also joined by Manon Bakker, who rode very solidly. And uh, as we went into the second lap, everything kind of bunched up together at the top of that downhill. Not everyone um, being able to take as much speed into it and unfortunately it was Worst who had a very weird crash and unfortunately had a mechanical as well um, and that cost her a lot of time losing contact with that front group of uh, five women uh, containing Alvarado, Betsma, Brandt, Bakker and Castellain. uh These went on and slowly it became clear that uh, Bakker and Kastelein couldn't quite keep up I believe uh, that uh, Bucker had a mechanical. And the other three went on to the final lap. Where uh, Brandt basically had to come back for a little bit just before then. And she managed to do so and rode a very strong last lap. With Alvarado and Betzma on her wheel. And it was Brandt that went into the finishing straight first. She launched a very powerful sprint. Alvarado had to come the long way around. But she couldn't quite do it. It was um, Brandt who won in front of Alvarado and then Denise Betzmann.
0: So it was certainly an entertaining battle there at the front between those uh, three women. I wasn't able to watch the entire race because uh, I was still at school, but I watched the final part and it was certainly entertaining and they looked to be really uh, really matching each other. Nobody really stood out uh, above the rest. Um, so is it fair to say in the end that Brandt was the strongest today?
2: Brand looked really strong and think uh winning that sprint was also because she was able to get into that first position alvarado um would also know to get into that first position so i i think that indeed the strongest person wanted it
3: it is also a very hard race so it's um i mean she, she was very strong i think alvarado didn't play that smart um especially not being first going into the sense section she admitted itself uh, but she said she couldn't do anything better than that because she was just on the limit. Um, but but yeah, in this race particularly, I think Brandt was definitely the strongest and it suits her, uh, it seems, the running and also going
1: with the mud. Um, she was very strong. Indeed, yes, I think I agree with you. It was a head-to-head sprint and she came out on top. So especially a bit of a catch-up in the last lap I think you can definitely say strongest rider today was Lucinda Brandt.
0: She took her second win of the season today. And um, somebody else also rode a good good race. Anne-Marie Wurst after that uh, crash. Really giving it her everything to uh, still come back to the front. Ending fifth in the end, just behind Kastelijn. But in front of uh, Bakker and, uh, and Kant. Do you think she could have done more if, without that crash? Or well, obviously she would have done more, but what more would she have done?
3: I think challenge for victory, to be honest. I don't think she would do less good than than um, Brant and Alvarado. Um, she's she isn't that strong in the running section, so I mean that would be her downside. But she has a lot of power, and her technique is not that bad either. So um, yeah, she she would have definitely played for the for the podium.
1: Indeed, I think she would have been there in the sprint, but we've seen that Alvarado has had the edge on worst in the last few head-to-head sprints, so I I don't think it would have affected the end result today unless she had been able to distance herself in the last lap from Brandon Alvarado.
0: Well, it was a really tricky last straight as well, coming out of the field with this uphill, then uh, the corner. Alvarado looked to have a bit of overspeed, but they needed to take the outside of that corner and then simply just there wasn't enough space left for her, especially because it went up those extra meters you that cost her a momentum and it was a bit of a it's a bit of a strange finish if you if you really look at it with the uphill section just before it's not it's not your typical uh, cyclocross sprint just on a flat road coming out of the field it's really something uh, atypical
3: it's one of those races where positioning is key. Uh, that if you go through the last corner first, then normally you would get the victory. And I, I, it showed today that if you go through the first corner, if you go through the last corner first, then you will eventually win that race uh, in the last lap. So, um, it, it, but it was a nice finish to be honest. I really liked it that with that corner. Um, the, I think the legs will be completely lactating at that point and you're just full of adrenaline going to that finish line, trying to overtake. But uh, it wasn't enough for uh, Alvarado this time.
0: Let's take a look at the entire top 10 then. It was Lucinda Brandt who won in front of Alvarado and Betšema. In fourth place, we find Yara Kastelein. In fifth, it was Anna-Marie Vorst. In sixth place, we find Sannikant, seventh Manon Bakker, who indeed had a puncture in the beginning of the race. Katablanca Vaz, an eighth, then we have Verdonschot in 9th, and in 10th place is Fem van Empel. So the first name uh, that's in this top 10 that I would like to talk about still is uh, Anne-Marie Vorst, who uh, basically rode an identical race to Van der Haar, crashing early on in the race, being a bit further behind, and then riding a strong comeback.
3: I think it was a pretty positive race for her, uh, apart then from lap 1, I guess, because nobody wants to have such a lap 1. I think her chain fell off as well. Um, struggled a little bit, tried to get back, she had some help from Arzufi, uh, but in the end she had to do it all alone. Um, and then she had some company with uh, Kant, um, by the way, who did actually a pretty good race. Uh, seems to be on the, on the way back, or at least uh, on some way, uh, because it didn't look good the last few weeks. And now, um, you know, day by day it, it, it comes and uh, maybe we can see Kant as well um, fighting for some top fives uh, in the next few races.
2: Well, I think this is the most Kant parkour we're going to see um, for maybe quite a while. Uh, of course, there will be a few races where she does better. But usually this would have been one of those races where she would have been in the front group. And well, quite frankly, she isn't quite there. Uh, of course, we shouldn't forget that Worst already won the Koppenberg Cross. And uh, I, I certainly think that there will be cro- uh, crosses where she... Will uh, be winning again. Uh, will of course be tough with Alvarado there and Brandt as well, and then even Denise Betzma. The the top of the uh, field is just quite big, and that is really lovely to see.
1: Well, it, it looks positive, I would say. The course suited her today probably, but only 42 seconds off the, off the win. Sixth place. She was first time back in the and top Tom, 10. Tom, what do you think uh, about
0: Kant? Do you think in, uh, that uh, prestige, she's on uh, the right track at a few this races.
1: time? she's been outside of the top 10 and quite a way off the pace. So I think it's promising. And seventh in the European champs, I think. So hopefully she can build on her performances, I guess.
0: Then two other interesting names in the top 10 were the names of Vassa Van Empel. And we talk about these young riders all the time on the podcast, but it's really nice to see them and... I think um, Voss, especially Voss, because um, she came from the mountain bike and then this is her, I think, third or fourth race of the season. Yeah, and then really a, again ending in the top 10.
1: She's shown herself really strong physically and technically with the skills from a mountain bike background. I think we can just see her building over years. Yeah, go on, Tom. Yeah, I think she's, she's going to be the next one competing with the Dutch, I reckon. I
3: think with Voss as well is that um, she's very strong. She has the technique. She knows how to ride. There are just some small things that, you know, very easy things like shouldering your, your bike, um, going off your bike, going on your bike, those simple things where she loses sometimes a second, two seconds. You know, it's 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 detail. It's very small, but it's sometimes very crucial in the race. And I think if she works on that um, and really gets the, the cyclocross, like... Um, really knows how to to be able to do all those things in the cyclocross, then I w- definitely think that she would be a force that would be able to challenge those uh, Dutch riders uh, for top five.
0: And I think that what you're saying is correct, and I think it's easy to explain. I don't think she's been doing cyclocross super long. She's from Hungary. It's not really the country where you think, well, there's going to be cyclocross races every weekend where she can compete in. And I think that it's just the more she does it, the more she seems to get used to it. And I think that definitely those are things she can make progress in. I don't know if she's in the right team to do that because she writes for Proximus. I know that the Jürgen Metterpeninger is kind of taking care of her, which is good.
2: It's amazing to have someone in the sport that's not from Belgium, not from the Netherlands. Um, not even uh, another like uh, bigger-ish cyclocross country like uh, for example the Czech Republic like this is just someone that's from a country where like you said there won't be racing every week and it's just so amazing to see someone from such a country like that uh, be able to compete with well some of the very best in the world already coming eighth today just Riding, like Ryan Gump, very consistently, very well.
0: Anyway, with that, I think we've discussed everything. I would like to thank Twan, Tom and Isam for joining me today and giving us their expertise on the race in Niel. Thank you for having me on. Thanks. And like Tom said earlier, we will be discussing the Etios Cross in Leuven, which will be taking place this Saturday. If you're wondering where to watch it, make sure to check cyclocrosssocial.com or follow cyclocross on Instagram, and we will be joining you again at the beginning of next week to talk about the Etias Cross in Leuven. Goodbye! Bye.